Welcome to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. ESG reporting. It is the new standard for companies that want to manage their risk and communicate their value to their stakeholders. But how can ESG websites take that reporting to the next level? In this episode, the Brand Extract team discusses how ESG websites can help companies elevate their sustainability reporting and lead the way in data communication. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome into Solving for B. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about ESG websites. And to help me break down this topic, I'm joined by VP of Software Development, Donovan Buck. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Good. Uh, and Chairman Jonathan Fisher. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thanks for joining us today, guys. So um, as you both know, ESG reporting is gaining more and more traction among brands across a variety of industries, but a potentially unknown or underappreciated tool is an ESG website. So let's start here. What is an ESG website and how does it differ, if at all, from an ESG report? So I'm going to give you two answers because that question could mean different things to different people. Um, First of all, Uh, an ESG report versus an ESG website. So um, with an ESG report, um, the the simplest form is uh, sharing your company's uh, objectives and past performance uh, on ESG matters. And those include things like uh, diversity and inclusion, um, uh, environmental uh, consciousness and awareness, and and making sure you're doing those things right, versus having an ESG website, which tends to have a little more narrative content to support your metrics data, the data that you're reporting on. Um, The uh, other interpretation here might be uh, the difference between a printed report slash PDF report or a website. Of course, with a website, you're able to have something that's much more uh, evergreen. Uh, You can always maintain it and add information and take away information or or correct information if necessary. And you have room to grow it and uh, keep using it over the years. Um, Also, if you think about it, it's it's more environmentally friendly. You're not not having to uh, kill any trees to get your report out there. So that's always a bonus. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that that you know there can be a kind of like more static reports versus uh like a, a website with more narrative would you say that an esg report is more like just the facts as to where an esg website provides um a little bit of context and maybe allows you to inject some of your your brand into that um vessel it, it, it can be it's all a spectrum um it's kind of analogous to uh, uh, investor relations and annual reports and how they've evolved over the years from being uh, big um, productions for a lot of organizations with, you know, incredible photography and illustrations and, and being many pages long um, to the other end of the spectrum being just the data you are legally required to report on. And while there aren't legal requirements around the data that ESG reports need to contain, there are expectations that are set by different standards boards and you can just, literally provide just the facts um, or you can, you can expand upon it and talk about your vision for the future. And uh, that's where the real value is. Yeah. And, and you bring up a good point. Um, and I think it might be a little bit of an aside note, but it's worth mentioning is that there, 
you know, you said like legally required to, um, and you kind of mentioned that there's technically there's nothing we're legally required to. So a lot of people who are doing these sorts of websites, um, or reports are doing so to appease investors or, um, or, you know, the general public or even, you know, potential future regulators, regulations, things like that. So, um, you know, when we say like, we, we make a distinction here between, uh, conformance and, and, uh, compliance. And, you know, while it's a, it's a kind of maybe a, a small difference, I mean, it is a, it is a big difference at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you, you conform with a standard, you comply with the law. This is the, is the core distinction there. Right. Right. Okay, great. So in regards to ESG websites, um, how comprehensive, if you are going to go the route of a, of an ESG website, as opposed to a, an ESG report, how comprehensive does that need to be or, or even can it be? So uh, my belief and Jonathan can, can kind of follow up with, uh, with his opinion as well. We may share the same opinion. We'll see. Um, my belief that is it really depends on how tightly um, sustainability uh, is coupled with your brand and the value proposition of your company. If you are an organization who say we have a client who, who helps their clients, who helps their customers um, uh, handle uh, uh, waste products more efficiently and more uh, sustainably, you know, it's better for the environment after, you know, w- with these services they provide. Um, that's a, so that's a huge part of their brand and their value proposition. We will help you be more green. We will help your company be more green on their reports. Um, so it's really important that um, it be featured uh, on their, their corporate website and that that sustainability um, perspective is, is tightly coupled with their their brand message and their, their, their corporate website. So it really gets rolled in and there's a lot more supporting content there because it's, it's what you're selling. Um, for other companies who are being more reactive um, to uh, market demands or, or expectations from, you know, employees or, or whoever, um, those organizations may choose just to do, I don't want to say the minimum, but that's really what it is. They may choose just to provide the data and show, hopefully show improvement over the years. Uh, you, you hope that's, that, that's what they're going to be able to show. Um, so it really depends on, on your brand and, and, the, and the message you're trying to, to project and convey. What are you selling? You know, I would, I would build on what Donovan's saying. Um, I don't disagree with what he's saying, but I would add some additional color to it. Think of it this way. Um, you, you know, you asked, I think the question was how complex maybe, um, I think it, some of it determines is determined by the stakeholders that you're trying to speak to, right? So employees, um, pressure from a board, um, maybe you have competitors which are very aggressive in the marketplace with it, um, and they're using that to their advantage. Um, a lot of times these days, the supply chains, the bigger companies that, that these mid-market companies or even multibillion-dollar companies are feeding into are requiring a certain level of ESG data to be in their supply chain um, because that data trickles up to them. And so they have their goals and initiatives and you are affecting those goals and initiatives when you are in their supply chain and to the degree that you can competitively improve it more than say the next guy, you might get more business out of it. So that alone may be the reason you decide to publish uh, your material, regardless of investors or 
the perceived risk of your business uh, by the insurance companies and by your lenders and creditors and things like that. So I think you have to sort of take a look at the stakeholder audiences that are there. And I think another consideration is the, the type of company you are as it relates to ESG itself. So we look at these categories of companies and there are companies that basically, and I'll just rattle them off. There are supporters and there are partners and there are initiators and there are impactors and different companies fit into different categories of this type of sustainability model of business that's out there. So for example, companies that are truly capturing carbon, um, or you know, doing things to uh, reduce environmental impact, specifically with their products and services, you know, those might be impactors, for example. Whereas, say, a, a company that just partners uh, with certain industries to reduce carbon impact or support certain initiatives, um, you know, they might be in that category of partner or supporter. So. I think, you know, if you're in that category of supporter, it, the data you report might be less relevant, for example. But it may be still important if your supply chain is demanding it. Uh, whereas if you're an impactor and you've got these amazing widgets, whatever they might be, or services that are, you know, very um, directly impacting uh, either government regulations um, or certain types of initiatives and programs that are in the marketplace that are targeted towards global reductions and other sustainability factors, then you know you might be in that category of initiator impactor, and it might be way more important for you to really put out your information. So, it is there is a question and it is a conversation to be had. Um, that it's not really cut and dry or black and white, but that would give you some things to think about. Yeah, that and so that leads me. I think I think it segues nicely into the next question is. Um, can can this be or should it be? I guess I'll ask your opinion on it. Um, should it be uh, a microsite, like a standalone, perhaps a subdomain sort of thing, or should it be baked into your your uh, your company site? What, I mean, what would be your your guys' perspective on that? So, I I think it comes. I think again, you have to consider brand. <clears throat> Does it belong? The sustainability, the label sustainability, belong in my brand's primary navigation. So that's, I, th I think that's, that's still, again, what you have to consider is, is, is the relevance to your brand and your value proposition. Um, from a technical standpoint, um, you can go either way. Um, we have clients who have um, content management systems for their website, their corporate website. And some of them are easy to add sections to and to add content to and edit the content and bring it up to date. And some of them are not. Um, I, I will offer that, in my opinion, if, you, if it's not easy in your content management system, you have a bad content management system. Um, so it should be, the easiest path should be to be able to do it as part of your corporate website. In cases where that's not appropriate, you'd like to be able to do it in the same platform, of course, but you can have a separate and distinct website from your corporate website that is just your ESG report, or you can have a standalone ESG sustainability website that has more content in it beyond the report. Um, I think if you're doing that, if you're finding that you have a sustainability site that's separate and, or that, that's more than just the data, 
then you're likely a company that needs to roll it into your corporate site and then have a way to have the data contained within that corporate site. So it depends yeah. on your situation, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. And do, yeah. do any of these, you know, the websites need to map to specific standards like SASB or GRI or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, so the, the easiest one to grok uh, of the standards that are out there is SASB because they have, for each industry, uh, they've identified a set of metrics that you probably need to consider reporting on. A lot of companies are, are, you know, a little more complex nowadays. They're not just, they don't just make widgets. They, they make widgets, they transport the widgets, they dispose of the widgets. So suddenly they're a manufacturer, they're a retailer, and they're a waste management company. So they might have multiple industries that they need to report to. SASB helps you figure out what those things are and what the metrics are that you should be considering. Um, so SASB is a, a really nice one in that regard. It's a lot more tangible than the others. Some of the others are a little more esoteric. You know, they're, 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 they, leave, they leave it more up to the organization on what specific metrics to report. And rather, they give you guidelines on the types of things that you should re- be reporting about. Being a computer programmer, I like the ones that are, you know, they're, they're tangible and they're clear and you know exactly what steps you need to take. So I think SASB is a great place to start. But you may be in an industry that has other standards beside the one besides the ones that are that are most common. Things like um, um, TCFD. Uh, I want to check and make sure I got that acronym right. By the way, <laughs> T- Task Force on on Climate Related Financial Disclosures. Yeah. yeah and so GRI uh, yeah. and and then you've got the UN SDGs, and so there's there's probably you know five to seven that are out there that are pretty common and we see companies that will blend from two or three on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, we've even seen certain industries create, get, you know, band together and create their own framework so that all of the competitors are truly aligning against each other um, in the marketplace. So we've seen that within like midstream and pipeline, for example, where they've gotten together and done that. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we've talked a little bit about kind of like the, I guess maybe the, the, the technical aspect of it and kind of like, you know, what are some of the considerations if you're going to, if you're considering an ESG website, for example, I do want to start talking a little bit about the benefits. Um, I think uh, I can't remember one of you alluded to the fact that it, it, it itself, an ESG website is more sustainable than printing out a bunch of papers. You don't have to kill trees to do this. Um, so other than it being a sustainable alternative to, um, you know, to a, a, a physical printed, PDF report. What are some of the benefits of an ESG website? Well, um, websites are, are evergreen, and you can always keep them uh, up to date. You know, the sometimes the the metrics that you've reported on, you you find the data needs to be updated or changed because you got it wrong. Um, it's easy to do with the website. It's not so easy to do with something that you've printed and distributed uh, for the world to see, uh, and it's in their hands. So um, a lot easier to, to keep it up to date, keep it current, um, grow it over time instead of starting from scratch each and every year. Uh, so you've got some, some I think, some, some good things there that make it uh, not be a one-and-done type of project. Yeah, I would say you know, some of the things that come to mind, for example, with a website, you can get all kinds of data from the visitors that are going to it. Um, you can see what pages are most popular, what sections are most popular. You can bake in call to actions, or you can embed videos and see what they watch the more more than something else. Or you can you can track downloads. 
um, from the materials. So there's a lot of good traffic. And what we have seen, for example, is companies that put just a PDF report online versus companies that do a website have approximately, and I'll, I'll use this number, it sounds alarming, but approximately nine times more traffic and stickiness and visitor activity on a website than they do just a pure PDF uh, in terms of engagement. So it's substantially higher. Um, with a website, you get much better search engine optimization um, than you do just with a PDF product, for example. You also get um, more ADA or WCAG conformance and compliance type of processes in place uh, for that. So it's, it's, it's appealing to those that are not only handicapped with some disability in that regard, but it's also appealing to the smart devices like Siri and Alexa and Google and your smartphones. So because when you optimize for WCAG, you're also optimizing for a lot of the technologies that, that use the same information to read aloud or to search or find something through those devices. Um, so you're also going to get just higher Google rankings and search results um, with a website because you can optimize all the keywords and the data within the site itself and the pages and the title tags and the URLs and all that good stuff um, than you can with a, with a PDF. So you're going to be a lot, uh, you're going to be substantially uh, easier to find with a true website than you are with just hanging a PDF out there um, or for that matter, a physical printed piece to go with it. Um, so there's, you know, you can make the site more dynamic. You can cross link the site between things. Um, you know, so there's, a, I'd say a, a do, do, literally dozens of advantages <laughs> to doing a website over a physical report or a PDF product, or even just a standalone kind of uh, landing page where you download a little bit of data or get a little bit of data from it. Um, you know, you can parse the report into just the indexes you can make the charts and graphs dynamically download in a file format of, say, an analyst preference. So if they want a CVS file, if they want a JPEG, a PNG file, um, they can get all that off of the sites, um, you know, for that matter. And when you build in a content management system, a good CMS, and we have our favorites and some that we can recommend <laughs> in this, uh, but, uh, you're going to be able to, Donovan's point earlier, make those edits on the fly and instantaneously as opposed to having to go back to, say, a designer who's working in InDesign or Word documents and then making the edits and then saving the edits and exporting the edits and then going and uploading the edits. Everything becomes one-click instantaneous. So there's a lot of just time and efficiencies that are gained in this process. And... Yeah. Uh, uh, to yeah. build on Jonathan's nine times comment, um, we do have clients that we, we do printed reports as well as websites. So we have clients who we've done both for in years. So we have firsthand um, insight into how much more activity there is around the websites. And our clients have come to the conclusion, and we've, we've guided them on this and confirmed it with data, that the, the PDF reports kind of a waste of money relative to the websites because the two websites get so much more traction. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny as you guys are talking about this, I start to think about like, you know, I start to ask myself the same questions or kind of see the values in it and, and a website, you know, becomes kind of a, a choose your own adventure sort of thing. So you can really tailor that experience. Um, Jonathan, you mentioned it yesterday that it's, 
in a PDF report, it's very linear, right? You have, you can't, you can't cross link things over. I mean, you can, if you're looking at it on the screen, but there's only so much you can do as opposed to in a website, it's, it's almost like a living, breathing kind of, um, place where your ESG efforts really live. And then you layer on the story on top of it, D that you talked about at the top. Um, I think it can be a really compelling case for, for your brand. Um, if that's something that's important to you and something that, that matters to you and your audience. Right. So I, I, I think it's, it's a no brainer. And then on top of that, from an altruistic standpoint, you think about it, you know, we talked about it already being sustainable. It feels like it fits the spirit of sustainability a little bit better than again, printing out dozens or hundreds of reports and going out and, you know, spreading them across the, the world. Absolutely. We, we had a, we had a client that had us do a, a PDF report and initially they were just going to kind of bury it on their website. Uh, they just kind of wanted to be able to check it off and say they had one and it was done and they really didn't want to put it out there. But after some discussion, we convinced them that it was worth really promoting it and putting it out there. And when they did, they saw their stock prices jump, you know, I think it was, around 20%. Um, as a result, the data was really great. And then the data was much better than some of their competitors and it gave investors and, and, uh, analyst confidence and it raised the pricing. So, so it's surprising people, I think at first they're a little, they're a little tentative to this process and they, they don't really know what they're getting into and how hard it's going to be and, and, and what they're really committing to. But what we see is once they kind of get the wheels turning, more people get involved with it, more people get excited by it, and it becomes this thing that every year just gets bigger and bigger. Um, we've worked with companies four or five, six years in a row, and every year they just want to outdo the last one and add something new and different uh, to the process um, because it's got such positive results for them. Yeah. Another, there's another really cool added value that uh, it may not be obvious, but um, I know that you know when I went to collect data on brand extract, you know, kind of the eat your own dog food kind of thing. Um, there were a lot of things that, that I found eye-opening and they help, help under, help, helped me understand our business better. Um, but sometimes the perspective that we have as board members or partners or, or, you know, employees even, um, isn't the whole story. And you don't get that whole story until you actually sit down and look at the data. And a lot of these things, if you're not doing ESG reports, you may or may not be collecting this data at all. You may have no idea where you really stand. And it can be really helpful and valuable for your organization. Yeah. Well, the reason absolutely. the reason the trend is so popular is because they've proven now through hundreds of studies <laughs> across numerous industries um, that companies that report on ESG generally do better than companies that don't report on ESG. Because basically ESG is a prism by which to manage risk. Um, and that which gets measured gets managed. And so this just creates a whole level of operational transparency and risk management for companies that, are, that get into doing this. And they tend to generally perform a lot better than companies that don't do that level of analysis of their businesses. Um, so I think that's for, for us the big thing is why wouldn't you do this? It's smart business. It's good business to do this. Um, you know, because that's really all it is, is a prism for risk uh, to, yeah. to study it. So that, that actually leads yeah. to something I, I wanted to talk about when I was, you know, collecting data for our organizations. Um, our customers 
um, all collect data in ways that you might not expect because there's a, a plethora of, of software applications out there that are in the market. We actually have a hard time sometimes distinguishing our software from the, these software packages. And these software packages are designed to help you aggregate your, your metrics data. Um, you know, they'll interface with your HR systems and your, your shipping systems and all the different places where you might be collecting data that contribute to your uh, ESG report. Um, but the fact is, almost none of our clients, even the really big ones, are using those tools. You know, they're not integrating their ESG report gathering with their ERP system and, and things like that that sound awesome, but we have not seen happen anywhere. Um, so what most companies we see do is they're using um, spreadsheets <laughs> and they're walking around the office and they're asking people questions and they're gathering the data that way and they're dumping it all into a spreadsheet. Um, so, you know, we, we've kind of designed our, 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 our ESG website management software to work in that way. Um, we can consume an XML dump out of these, these high-end systems that, that integrate with your ERP system and all that awesome stuff. But we also can consume a spreadsheet, which is what all of our clients are doing, to be honest. Some of them manage it exclusively in, in our software. Some of it manage it, some of them manage it in a, a, a Google spreadsheet or an Excel spreadsheet. And so, you know, we're able to work all those different ways. There's a, there's a, a practical component that I think uh, a lot of the, the vision around ESG software uh, is kind of missing out on um, because those things are expensive and people really don't use them. Yeah. Well, that leads, that's a good segue to, to one of my final questions here is, you know, let's say we've decided, you know, okay, ESG website is right for me, right? We can, we can gain all these efficiencies. We can be more agile and some in cases be, you know, less expensive. Um, what are some CMS considerations? And, and I'll, I'll throw out a quick caveat that as Donovan alluded to, we do have our own proprietary um, ESG website CMS um, called Artisan. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, Obviously, we, we're a fan of that one, but are, is there anything else that folks need to look out for? Not necessarily, you know, pick this one or that one, but just what are some things that, that might affect or impact a decision uh, on what CMS you, you would want to go with for your ESU website? I think given the, the audiences that are concerned, um, particularly around environmental issues, um, you want to make sure that your site is secure so that um, you're not at risk of being embarrassed publicly. Um, while this, this data and this presentation, your ESG report, may not be part of your operations, they're not going to bring the assembly line to a halt, they are going to affect your public um, image. Um, so you do not want to let those things get hacked. <laughs> so um, be mindful of that when you're considering your content management system. Don't, you know, don't lowball it, right? Don't put yourself at risk that way. Um, the other thing is some are better than others at making it easy to integrate the metrics data. Um, so, you know, we know Artisan has tools for, for managing the data right there in, in the tool or consuming a spreadsheet to present the data. Um, other systems might not do that. They might not make charts for you automatically and graphs and all those things. And you're having to have your designers, uh, graphic designers, go and produce these, these visual components instead of just reading the data and building it dynamically. Um, and when that happens, you, you know, you, you double your production costs because rarely do these things get by the lawyers and the accountants and everybody without a whole lot of changes. 
Um, so you want something that's dynamic and that you're not having to rebuild from scratch every single time or having to run it past the designers and add those extra steps to the process. So you want to be efficient. So having tools that are built purpose built for this are a really nice thing to have. The other thing that I don't think you're going to find in any other software packages that I've seen so far is with uh, Artisan. Have we even said the name of our software? We're not very good marketers, are we? <laughs> we <did>. uh, <laughs> um, with, with Artisan, you can tell it what industry you're in or industries you need to you, need, you want to report to, and it will generate a straw man site that you can then go and populate. And it'll have all the, all the charts and fields for you to start populating your data and text areas where it describes what should go here. So it, it, it has a site generator. Now that said, <clears throat> all of our clients are special and, and unique. Um, so it's really easy to go and add pages and delete pages and you know remove the things you don't need or add things that you do. Um, and it's built to do that automatically based on SASB standards. We can support other standards, but we do SASB standards out of the box. And that makes it really nice and easy to get started on a uh, on the SG website. Awesome. Jonathan, anything to add there? Yeah, I think some other features and to look for in the technology is uh, is there versioning control and time stamping? In other words, can you see when somebody logged in? Can you see what changes they exactly made when they made them? And can you roll back to them if you need to? If you're ever in a lawsuit and the attorneys need to justify something or check and see when something was published or what it was on such and such a date, um, some of these softwares once you make the edit, it's just like it, it's gone. The thing is, there's no record of it. You don't know who did it, when they did it, what it looked like. Um, so you really want to control the versioning systems that you have there uh, for those compliance standards. Um, you also want to make sure that if you're concerned about WCAG and issues like that, that you have all those usabilities, uh, things baked into those technologies themselves, um, and that you're designing for those, those conformance, um, or in some cases, compliance requirements a lot of the cheaper freeware that's out there doesn't pay any attention to these things um and i always say there's a reason something's free <laughs> you know um so uh, back to diamond's point about be careful if you're going to lowball this type of a product because uh, there's a lot of exposure to it out there um yeah. in terms of being hacked or being sued or things like that um so you know don't 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 scrimp and and the fact of the matter is is that Products like Artisan just frankly aren't that much. They're 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 you know like the price of a self family cell phone plan. I tell people, you know, and from mm-hmm. a licensing standpoint, they're pretty pretty darn affordable considering everything that's out there. And compared to building a custom website from scratch, which could be two to four months on average, um, you know, an out of the box Artisan site is days. You know, and you're you're there and you're up and running, and you can make it as bespoke as you want to go with it. Um, so way more efficient. So, you know, speed is a factor determining how fast it's going to take you to build in these products is a big deal. Uh, being able to track all of that versioning is a big deal. Being language agnostic, some companies are global and publish around the world and you want to make sure you've got a really good language agnostic system and you want to make sure you've got a really uh, SEO friendly system, a system where it's just, you know, easy to, to manage all the optimization. Cause if you're going to put this energy into your report, you want the things that you want to highlight and toot your horn about to be found and and have it so those are some of the bigger features to kind of look for when you're you're looking at these systems that are out there i'm glad you mentioned that these reports have a global audience because you know we 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 mentioned a few times there's there aren't necessarily laws to comply with that's a very u.s centric point of view Um, that's not true um, throughout the world 
So you need to be aware of the specific laws that, that apply to the places where you're doing business. Great. Yeah. One, one final thing I will add here is uh, like the WYSIWYG nature of it, right? If, if you are, if your job is, is compliance or conformance um, and reporting on ESG standards and, you know, you're, that's your job. Um, chances are you're not, you, you aren't a you know developer. Um, so looking at something that is easy to, to maintain and update if, you know, legal wants you to change this wording or whatever, rather than having to go, um, and, and, and tap a developer or, you know, go through a whole process, something that's, that's, you know, very easily editable and easy for you to manage, I think is also another thing to kind of keep an eye out for. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we like to eliminate the IT departments from these conversations. They just, they just, they just are not necessary. Honestly, you can totally do this without your IT department at all. Yeah. We like IT departments. <laughs> we this like them, not, but yeah. we don't need them for this purpose. <laughs> we use them for other things, for troubleshooting, yeah, other things. But anyway, well, guys, I, that's all I have. Was there anything else you guys wanted to add um, in regards to ESU websites? Um, the the I, this was great. I, I really appreciate the time. Was there any final kind of parting words you guys had? Yeah, I mean, I would just tell people that if you aren't thinking about ESG, you should be, and you will have to be in the near future. So this is not a trend that's going away. It is a trend right now that is pretty much a hockey stick. Uh, all of the numbers of the companies that are starting to report are practically doubling and tripling year over year when you go back and look at them. Um, so this isn't, this is something that is coming. It's coming with force. And if you are not on board, you're going to be left in the dust by your competition. I can pretty much guarantee that. So might as well get in. And it takes a little while to get these things up and running the way you would like, you know, figuring out what you want. So for somebody that's, you know, really thinking about a window for these projects, uh, if it's your very first report and you're starting from ground zero, could be as little as four months probably going to be closer to six or even nine months for you. It's not the publishing part that's the hard part. It's coming up with a strategy, doing the audits to figure out where the data is, determining the frameworks, writing the reports. That's the heavy lifting. You know, um, you get your report ready to go, we can get it up for you really, really quick if need be. Um, so just be prepared for those windows and also recognize that you don't have to report everything you discover right now. And that's the good thing. You can report the things that you want to report, things that are relevant to your business and impactful to you and your stakeholders. And over time, you can report more and more as you go. So don't be afraid of the process. Great. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. And uh, we'll catch up with you guys next time, okay? Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Bye now. That's it for this edition of Solving for B. If you enjoyed this episode, check out brandextract.com for more content on all things branding and marketing. Don't forget to also follow us on our social channels like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in to Solving for Bee.